Tie your cleats and put on your shin guards because it's time for the Throw-In Podcast with your host, Ryan Sirk. Hello and welcome back to the Throw-In Podcast. I'm Ryan Sirk. It's been a long time, honestly. I haven't released an episode in about two weeks. A lot has happened in the MLS. And not only in MLS, but this week there's some World Cup qualifying matches, which I really want to get into. But to start off with, of course, we will start with the MLS and if you haven't been paying attention, a lot has happened. A lot of teams people expected to be good aren't doing so well, and vice versa. But I'll just give a rundown of the top five teams in the Western Conference as of right now based on the table. So number one, it's LAFC. That's expected. A lot of people thought LAFC was going to be very good this season, and they haven't lost a game yet. Three wins and a draw in four matches played, so they're at 10 points with a seven-goal differential. That's pretty good. Coming in at number two is Rouse Salt Lake. They have the same record, three wins, one tie, which gives them 10 points. But their goal differential is only three, so they come in at number two. Another team that is undefeated that I wasn't really expecting to happen is Minnesota United. Minnesota United coming in at number three in the Western Conference. Two wins and two ties put them at eight points in the first four games of the season. Pretty good start for them. I'm excited to see if they can maintain this because I wasn't expecting them to be all the way up there. And that kind of follows right here with number four, Austin FC, coming in with two wins, one tie, and one loss. That gives them seven points on the season with an eight-goal differential. If you listen to the past episodes, you know that they scored 10 goals in the first two games combined. So that gives them a bit of a head start on the goal differential side of things. Coming in at number five is FC Dallas. They have the same record as Austin FC with two wins, one tie, and one loss, and seven points. But as I mentioned, goal differential separates both of these teams. So that's the top five teams in the Western Conference. Pretty good start for these teams. I mean, I was not expecting Minnesota United to be up there, Austin FC either. FC Dallas, quick rebuild. If you listen to the first episode of the Throw-In Podcast, I talked about Paul Ariola and how... He made a record trade to FC Dallas, and he has been very good. So far this season, Paul Ariola has one goal and one assist in only four matches. That's a pretty good start for somebody who is at a new team. He is in his prime, and he got a call-up to the national team. We'll get into the national team talk after the break. But right now, we have MLS still to focus on. The two teams that I've been disappointed with in the Western Conference are the two teams in the Northwest of the United States. That's the Portland Timbers and the Seattle Sounders. After nine games played, Portland comes in at number nine in the league standings. One win, two ties, and a loss gives them five points on the season so far. And then at number 10 is Seattle with one win, one tie, and two losses. So that's only four points. Both of these teams were expected to be big rivals. They always are big rivals, but most of the time in the rivalry, they're big games, big meaningful games in the playoffs or for an opportunity to make the playoffs. And neither one of these teams have really met the expectations so far. Moving on to the Eastern Conference, I want to give you the top five again, this time in the East. The Philadelphia Union are at the top of the Eastern Conference with three wins and one tie. That gives them 10 points. Coming in at number two is my favorite team, the Columbus Crew. They have two wins and two ties. No loss as well. That gives them eight points. Chicago Fire, same 
record as the Columbus Crew, eight points on two wins and two ties. New York Red Bulls come in at number four with two wins, one tie, and one loss. So seven points so far on the season. The other team with seven points and in fifth place is Orlando City. They have two wins, one tie, and one loss. Same record as the New York Red Bulls, but Eastern Conference isn't too different from the Western Conference in terms of teams that are undefeated. Three teams undefeated in both conferences. I don't know which team's going to lose first. If I had to pick one right now in the Eastern Conference that I think will lose first, I think it's going to be the Chicago Fire. I think the Columbus crew have been playing fantastic so far. Same with Philadelphia. The crew have been a bit unlucky in some of their ties. I mentioned in a past episode that they tied a game 3-3 after being up 3-1 against San Jose with a man-up advantage. In the Western Conference, if I had to pick a team to lose, I would probably pick Minnesota United. I don't think LAFC will lose anytime soon, but if they do, it will be after Real Salt Lake and Minnesota United lose. It's hard to pick one between Real Salt Lake and Minnesota, but overall in history, Minnesota is the less dominant team. Just take another quick look at the Eastern Conference. I have been pleasantly surprised with Cincinnati. Two wins and two losses gives them six points and eighth place in the league table on the Eastern side of the bracket. And that's pretty good. I mean, first two episodes or so, I wasn't very nice to FC Cincinnati. I know. I know I'm being a little harsh on FC Cincinnati, but last season they were just atrocious. They did not play very well and they were at the bottom of the table. I wish there was promotion and relegation because that would have forced Cincinnati to pick it up or move down. But they're still in the league, and they are a mid-table team. If you're an FC Cincinnati fan, you're going to take that because from where you were last season to where you are starting this season, it's a pretty big improvement. As far as the disappointing teams in the Eastern Conference, they're behind Cincinnati in the table. Coming in at number 9 is NYCFC. The defending champions coming at number nine is not where you want to be to start off the season. But again, there's plenty of time to pick it up. It's not time to press the panic button for any of these disappointing teams that I mentioned. And for the surprising teams, there's still plenty of time to blow it. The other disappointing team is the New England Revolution. They won the Eastern Conference. In fact, they were the top team in the MLS before going to the MLS playoffs. The Revolution also have the all-time leader in wins in MLS history with Bruce Arenas. They also signed Josie Altidore, who, if you watch a lot of USA men's national team soccer, you would know Josie Altidore scores a lot of goals for the national team. There's a lot of expectations for the New England Revolution this season, and they haven't really lived up to that yet. But as I mentioned, there's plenty of time to turn it around. Bruce Arenas knows what he's doing. He's won plenty of games. So I wouldn't be too worried if I were a New England Revolution fan, but it's just something to keep an eye out for. We're going to take a quick break. This was the first half of the throw-in podcast. When we come back, it's World Cup qualifier time. So USA, it's make or break if we want to make the World Cup. Stay tuned. You're listening to the throw-in podcast on WMUL 88.1 FM. Hi, I'm Paul Swan, host of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And for the latest from the MLS, keep it right here with Ryan Sirk and the Throw-In Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Throw-In Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sirk. And this is a very exciting time for U.S. soccer because 
it is make or break for the United States if they want to make the World Cup. If they don't make the World Cup, I'm going to be very upset. As of right now, the United States comes in at number two in the rankings for the World Cup out of the CONCACAF group. Number one is Canada. Number three is Mexico, but we're tied with Mexico with 21 points. So it's really up in the air as to who's going to go in third and who's going to be in second. But the big kicker in that is that on Thursday, the United States plays Mexico in Mexico. Playing in Mexico is not an easy feat. The Azteca is a very big stadium. It holds, I think, 100,000 fans. It's going to be a, a difficult atmosphere for some of these guys to handle. I'm really intrigued by that game. Again, that's Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. If we, we as in the United States of America, win that game, we should, keyword is should, qualify for the 2022 World Cup. I can't wait for this game. Mexican fans can't wait for this game. It's going to be a great one. But moving on from that game and talking a little bit about selection issues for Greg Berhalter, we will start with the bad news because we get it out of the way as fast as possible. But Brendan Aronson, I talked a little bit about him last episode playing in Salzburg. He has a knee injury, so he will be out for the World Cup qualifiers. That's a bit unfortunate because he's a really good player. I know his team did lose 7-1 to Bayern Munich, but if you listen to the last episode, he got an assist. So he's been playing really well in Austria. It's disappointed we won't be able to see him at all during this World Cup qualifying international window. The good news is that Gio Reyna is back. Don't know if he will play, but he's back from injury. He was called up. He's good to go. I personally think Gio Reyna has the potential to be the best American soccer player ever. So does Christian Pulisic, of course. But I think Gio Reyna has the potential to be even better than Christian Pulisic. Gio Reyna is amazing. He is playing for Borussia Dortmund in Germany. So I'm really excited to see that. Going back to some bad news, I know I said I would start with the bad news, but I wanted to offset it with some good news is that Serginho Dest is also ruled out for the U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualifiers. Serginho Dest, an important player for Greg Berhalter and the U.S. National Team. He plays for Barcelona, and he will be out because of injury as well. So the United States will find out if they make the World Cup or not during this international window. So on Thursday, as I mentioned, the United States will play Mexico at 10 p.m. Eastern time. And then following that, another very important matchup. The United States will play against Panama. This game will be at home somewhere in the United States. It hasn't been released to the public as to where it will be. But the reason this is a big game is because if the U.S. loses to Mexico and Panama wins its other game, then USA will be in third with 21 points and Panama will be in fourth with 20 points. The first three teams automatically qualify, right? So if the U.S. loses to Mexico and loses to Panama, we are at risk of not qualifying automatically. 
If we don't qualify automatically and we go in to the qualifier in fourth place, we would have to play a qualifying playoff game versus somebody from a different region. We don't know who that would be yet. Most likely it will be a team from the Asia qualification. So it could be Japan. It could be Australia. Australia also is a part of that Asia-Oceania qualification group. So both of those games are very important. But that's not all. The United States will also play Costa Rica away from home at 9 p.m. Eastern time. The reason that one is also important is because Costa Rica is in fifth. So if the United States loses all three of these games, which I really hope they do not, then they will not qualify for the World Cup. That's what's going to come down to. If the United States can win, I'm going to say one game. If, if Greg Berhalter and the United States can win one game, they will qualify. I believe that's what's going to happen. But mathematically speaking, if they win two games, they will qualify. I don't know which one is most likely to win because having three, four, and five as the last three games of your World Cup qualification, it makes me a little nervous. There's a lot that can happen. Playing down in Mexico is not going to be easy. Playing in Costa Rica is not going to be easy. But there is no excuse why we shouldn't beat Panama at home. I don't care what location in the United States we decide to play in. We should not lose to Panama at home. The supporter section at all the men's national team games are great. That's going to be a great atmosphere for all of those games. But man, I can't lie. I am a little nervous for the Mexico game. Mexico is also the U.S. national team's biggest rival. They've gone back and forth. Most recent important game that the U.S. and Mexico played was the final in the Gold Cup. And that was electric penalties flying everywhere. Christian Pulisic scoring goals. Gio Reyna scoring a goal. Great game. United States ended up winning. So I'm not sure Mexico forgot about that. And I'm sure that they want to get revenge on the United States. But ultimately, I think I'm going to say it. A little bit of a bold prediction. If the United States beats Mexico, obviously they're going through. But if they lose to Mexico, I might say that they don't automatically qualify. Morale will be low. It's going to be a tough game. Potential injury. I don't want to say that, but that's just how I'm feeling. If they can bounce back and beat Panama, they'll be good. They'll be good to go. But if they lose to Panama as well, coming down to Costa Rica, beating Costa Rica, it's not... You don't want to make it a one-game thing. You have three games to win one. As I mentioned, I think if they win one, they're good to go. So it's going to come down to the wire. Just beat Mexico, and all of our problems will be solved. I cannot wait for us to make the World Cup. I think we do. In fact, I know we will qualify. We just got to get through these last eight days of qualification, and we can celebrate a little bit. But coming up on Extra Time, if you're new to the program, there's always extra time. First half, second half, and extra time. Just like a soccer match. I'll be discussing the other games going on in MLS because the other leagues in Europe, they don't have games during international break, which I think is pretty smart because you're not missing any players. But the MLS does not do that. They still have games going on even though their players are out 
fulfilling international duty. So I will update you on what games to watch over the weekend. If you are not watching Mexico versus USA or USA versus Panama or the final one, USA versus Costa Rica. You're listening to the Throw In Podcast on WMUL 88.1 FM. Hey guys, this is All American Milo Yosef. Milo Yosef shoots and scores! A goal for Milo Yosef! For all things MLS, tune into the Throw In Podcast on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Hello and welcome back to the Throw In Podcast. It's extra time and you're here with Ryan Sirk, the host of the podcast. Not too many games going on this weekend in MLS soccer. As you heard in the second half of the Throw-In Podcast, there is a lot of international games going on, very important ones. But to start off with, it will be Charlotte FC playing FC Cincinnati at 5 p.m. on Saturday. Pretty good game. Charlotte got its first ever goal over the last weekend. Super excited for them. Ben Bender, the first overall pick, scored one as well. And the most important thing for Charlotte was that it got its first ever victory in Charlotte as well. Pretty good showing so far for Charlotte. They aren't in last. Many people expect an expansion team to be in last place, but as of right now, they are in 12th out of 14 in the Eastern Conference with one win and three losses, which brings them to three total points. They are playing FC Cincinnati, which I gave a little breakdown of earlier that I've been happy with FC Cincinnati. I do expect Charlotte to win this game at home, Cincinnati. Pretty good season so far, like I said, but I don't know how long they can keep it up. The two newcomers to the league, Charlotte more recent than Cincinnati, but I love to see expansion teams play up against each other because it can show, for example, Charlotte, a newcomer versus Cincinnati, the closest newcomer, to kind of see where you stand in terms of ability in the MLS. The other game on Saturday is Sporting Kansas City versus Real Salt Lake. That game is at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Real Salt Lake hasn't lost a game yet. They come in at 10 points in second place in the Western Conference. Sporting Kansas City on the other spectrum of the conference, similar record to Charlotte FC. They come in with one win and three losses on four games played so far in this season. Real Salt Lake, again, They have been impressive so far in this early season. And the final game of the MLS this weekend will be on Sunday between the Portland Timbers and Orlando City SC. I mentioned a little bit about Portland earlier is that they've been struggling this season. They come in at only five total points with one win and two ties. Orlando City, pretty good season as well. Two wins and one tie with seven total points. I expect them to win this one. It's away from home in Portland. If Portland does lose this match, I would be a little nervous if I'm a Portland Timbers fan because you're at home versus Orlando City. You got to start getting some momentum going somewhere, somehow, and it's got to be at home. You got to make your home a fortress, and I think that's what Portland will want to do. But if you're Orlando City... If you want to establish yourself as a true contender, then you have to beat Portland away from home. It's going to be a tough match, but this is what separates pretenders to contenders. That will do it for this edition of the Throw-In Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. 
If you haven't listened to the first four episodes of the podcast, don't worry. You can find that on SoundCloud, same place that you'll find this one if you joined a little late. Next episode will be the following Wednesday, and I'll be able to talk about that Mexico-United States game because I can't wait for that game, and it will also air before Costa Rica takes on the United States. There will be a lot to talk about in terms of international soccer, and we shouldn't forget about these MLS games that are still going on. I've always believed that MLS games should take a break during international break, especially in MLS because a lot of the United States players are away on international duty. But thank you for tuning in again. Don't forget to check out the other episodes. And I'm Ryan Sirk. Have a great night. Thank you for tuning in to the Throw In Podcast. Be ready next week for another episode.